Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. We draw confidence in the fact that you have not left us here alone, but you gave us your Holy Spirit and you gave us your words in print. You gave us the scriptures which are holy, which are suitable for teaching and admonishment, that they are inerrant and they are trustworthy. And they are a, a manual that we have been given to, to, to know your heart, to test what is right. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We submit ourselves to your word this morning with full confidence that as we follow up, that we will be, we will be built up on the inside, that our inner man will grow and become strong, and that our roots will go down and go deep, Father. So we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, we're going to read um, first uh, two verses of Romans 12 here, uh, which I read when we introduced this. And so here we go. Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So here we have these powerful two verses that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, which end with instructing us that we can know and prove, we can prove what the will of God is. And so if we want to have a sense of how we can live in the will of God and outwork it, we have a process here that is laid out. If it ends with proving the will of God, we can work backwards to look at what we need to do to come to a place where we can prove the will of God. And I am so grateful that God left us with the Scriptures. He left us with process, a way of knowing His ways. Process is so important, isn't it? I want to share a little story about process. Some people here are very much process people. Some people are not. Hands up if you would consider yourself a person of process. Hands up. We got, I don't know, that's about 40, 50 percent here. That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for a church. Um, so I, in some areas, um, are, are a person of process. But there's a part of me which I get from my dad, it's all his fault, um, which is somewhat more impulsive and would have a predilection for just jumping into something and believing the best and hoping for the best. And sometimes this works out well and sometimes it doesn't work out great. Now, we had a little occasion recently where I was again reminded of the importance of following process. My mother kindly flew our family over to uh, the UK to visit her over the summer, uh, and I've shared some of the you know, stories of our time over there. But while we were over in England at the end of July, um, it was, uh, it, we had just had our 20th wedding anniversary, Diana and I, and so I had decided, seeing we were already in England, that I had the opportunity to do something which otherwise would be really hard to do from this country, and we could go to the Mediterranean for about the price of a really cheap trip to Cancun, I could take Diana to what for her and us both would be a fairly exotic part of the world. 
And so I decided that while we were there, I'm going to take her to the Mediterranean. And we are going to have fun there. And we're going to celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary. And so somewhat last minute, after having this great idea, I set about trying to put this together on a real shoestring budget. And so we were there talking about places we'd like to go. Diana is one uh, type of person to do lots of research. So she was doing lots of research in different places. And while she, she was researching, I booked tickets. Because... Um, <laughs> I found these great tickets to Sardinia, which is an island uh, that, that is part of uh, Italy, and looked amazing to me. And so she was explaining the virtues of these different places, and she had mentioned Sardinia, and she went on to go and start talking about some other different destinations, at which point I told her, well, hey, I booked the tickets, so Sardinia it is. Um, things got really busy. We actually arrived in England before I'd even, we had a, a place to stay. Uh, in Sardinia. So we had tickets to Sardinia, but we had nowhere to stay in Sardinia. We didn't know how we were getting round in Sardinia. In fact, uh, I personally knew very little about Sardinia altogether. But I thought, you know, this, we can have an adventure. When we went on our honeymoon 20 years earlier, it was, the whole thing was an adventure. We took it on our stride, and it was awesome, and I thought, this is going to be great. I hadn't really factored in that 20 years had passed, and we're now kind of middle-aged, um, <clears throat> my mother always used to joke about being middle-aged when she was like 65. And she'd, like, she'd say, well, you know, now I'm in my middle ages. And I'm like, Mom, what, are you going to live to 130? <laughs> what, what is this? I think we keep on pushing it further and further and further. Middle ages are going to be 70 soon enough. Anyway, so I'm 45, and I think I'm hoping to live at least a 90. But I guess if I'm going to live to 90, that means I'm middle-aged. Um, so anyway, we were there in England. And we need to get things figured out really rapidly. So... We did a little more research, we being Diana, the royal we, and um, she found this awesome destination that we, could, that we could stay at in Sardinia. Now, I thought, partly because we're doing this on a shoestring and mostly because I just like the idea of it, um, I thought what would be really awesome, instead of renting a car, which is kind of expensive, we'd rent a scooter. Um, and so about the same time as Diana booked this Airbnb in a little town of Borne, I had already secured a scooter for the entire four days of our trip. So I thought this was going to be great until I discovered that the uh, place that she had reserved in Borne was 100 miles from the airport, <laughs> which means that we had to travel on a plane as a middle-aged couple with luggage and get on a scooter and ride 100 miles through Sardinia to get to our destination. But hey, this is going to be an adventure, right? Life is an adventure. So I thought this was going to work really, really well. There's no good reason why it shouldn't work well, because I thought that it was going to work well. So we, uh, the, the day arrives, and we're all excited. We go to the airport in Bristol, we fly over to Sardinia, it's about two and a half hours. We arrive there probably about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's amazing. We get the, immediately in the airport, we get the best espresso we've ever had in our lives. Uh, we're feeling good about everything, feeling great. You know, we have two backpacks. I have one, she has one, they're pretty large. And so now this is the part where it helps to have process. So we're here in Sardinia. Now I need to find where this, this scooter is that we are using to drive 100 miles on. Um, 
And I just assumed that customer service in Italy would be much like customer service in America. Now, we all know the saying of what assumption makes me to be. Um, so I, I, I know there might be one or, few, one or two Italians here, and I hate to, um, you know, I hate to, yeah, there's one, there's one here. I hate to say anything negative about the Italians, um, but let's just say um, they, as a nation of people, are also not really given to following procedure and process well. So... I had, uh, I had been given instructions from the website when I rented the scooter of where to go and get to the scooter. So I had gotten trusty Google Maps and figured that it, it, it out there was like maybe seven minutes walk from the airport. No problem, I thought, seven minutes walk. So there we are, charged up on our espressos, put on our backpacks, we step out of the airport, and of course it's 95 degrees. And we set about to walk and follow Google Maps to where we need to get the, get the scooter from. So off we go, and then the first thing that happens after about three minutes is we're looking at a massive chain link fence in front of us with uh, barbed wire across the top. So this is not going to get me to my destination. We eventually walk around through a couple of construction sites. Uh, as my faith for the, for the next two or three hours, begins to diminish, we walk through various construction sites to this location that the website told me to go to. And so when we get there, we meet some very nice, friendly, cheery Italians who told me that they do not rent scooters at that place, and I must be gravely mistaken. So now, um, my bride is beginning to tire a little bit of the process that we're in the middle of. We have to go backtrack walk 20 minutes back in 95-degree heat with our backpacks back to the airport to figure out what to do next. A few phone calls are made to this uh, rental location who tell me they're going to send a van around to pick us up. So there we are standing outside in the airport in 95 degrees with, of course, the 75% of the Italian population all smoking right around us as they do <laughs> in clouds of smoke in the heat, um, waiting for this van. So he tells me the van's going to come round. I'm like, okay, the name of the company is Coolstress. I'm looking for this van. There's numerous vans coming around. None of them come around with the words Coolstress. So I call him back after 30 minutes, and I'm like, well, you know, what's going on here? He, got, he said, I, I, I send my guy around. He's been around three times. I said, well, I haven't seen him. You know, what, what does the van look like? Describe it to me. Um, and he says, well, it's a silver van, and it has in big letters the, the words um, Alta Vista on the side. I'm like, why does it have Alta Vista on the side if your company's name is Coolstra? There was no good explanation for this. So there we stand in more smoke and heat, and around comes the van eventually, and we go to get dropped off at the place to rent the scooter. Now, this story is going to be super long, so I'm going to have to wrap this up. So uh, eventually, after being told they actually, even at the right place, can't rent me a scooter because I have an American driver's license with me and not the British one, they eventually, he makes a phone call to his boss after my whole trip's plans are about to be just destroyed and says, oh, no problem. My boss says, it's okay. You can, you can rent scooter. <laughs> so we, we rented the scooter. Um, now I have to, I hadn't ridden a motorcycle in about 20 years as it happened. So, so I, need to remember, I need to remember how to do that. Um, and it's 95 degrees heat. We're in Italy. The, the, the road signs are just terrible. But of course, 
what I normally do when I'm following directions, I just use Google Maps. So I'm like, oh, that's no problem. I'll just put you know, maps on, and we'll just navigate around. I hadn't really thought about how does one do that on a motorcycle. Um, I can't really, you know, the phone has to be in the pocket. Um, I'm wearing shorts. You know, I don't know how this is going to work. And so we, we then began this debacle of riding a scooter literally halfway across Sardinia on the highway for most of it, not really knowing where we're going. And so I have a picture of us here. You can see us here. There we are. Um, now, I just want to point out here, though it may look like we're both smiling underneath there, um, I'm smiling. Dana is gritting her teeth because this was not really an enjoyable, enjoyable process for her. There we were going down the highway. I had a massive backpack on my front because I can't put on my back because Diana's on my back, basically. We stuffed her backpack into the back of the scooter. There's a box on the back of it there. We're doing 70 miles an hour on this scooter down the highway. <laughs> With these Italian drivers just coming flying by at 100 miles an hour, like sharing the lane with us. She prayed in tongues the entire time, which didn't quite stop the tears, but it, it, would, have been, it would have been much worse if it weren't for praying in tongues. So, so after like 60 miles of this, we're like, oh, this is awesome. Um, we're off the highway, so this should be a breeze for now. So I'm starting to get excited. So we get off the highway, and then we start going into the mountains. Um, and I'm like, this is just awesome. This is the best thing. I'm going flying through these mountain passes and hairpin bends on the scooter. Suddenly, my love of motorcycling has returned, and this is just amazing. Um, and I'm thinking, what fun this must be uh, for Diana. Um, at which point, I get a tap on the shoulder telling me I must pull over. We pull over, and there are more tears as she tells me the fear that she is facing as we're going flying around these bends. You can see the mountains in the back here. We're going on these passes. There's a short railing here, and then you've got like a sheer drop of a thousand feet. So I'm just, all I'm seeing is the road. All she's seeing is the thousand foot drop. <laughs> Eventually, we arrive at our destination, which is about where we are at this spot. And we get off you know, my hands are kind of frozen to the handlebars. Our legs are permanently fixed in this position. So we're walking to a restaurant, trying to order some food. You know, we sweat through all our clothes. And it was an adventure. But at that time, I realized the importance of having process for important things. And as much as this was an adventure for us, it was something that I wanted to be a joy to my wife <laughs> and me. Um, but because I had not yielded to process, what could have been fairly straightforward if we had planned for it became something that was actually quite arduous. And for us, when we find ourselves in community, living together and seeking after God, God in his goodness has given us process so that we can submit ourselves and learn how to live life together and live in community. And it behooves us all 
to submit ourselves, as we read the scripture there, to learn from the Lord and find his process for how to be planted in the church and do life together. And as we do that, we are going to find that not only is it an adventure, as it was for me, but also it comes without floods of tears, <laughs> and it comes with joy. And so what we're going to do over these next few weeks is look at this process of what it is to be firmly planted in a church. So let's move on here and uh, dive into um, our next scripture. As we do that, I just want to um, give a reminder again of how, uh, when I introduced the series uh, about two, three weeks ago, um, you may remember, but I laid out a table of all different types of food, and we invited different people to come up and take some, and it was an illustration of life in church community and how we find supply. That in church community, everything that we need is provided for us, but our commission as responsible and mature believers, is to be able to know what we need and take everything we need that will supply us with the sustenance we need. We joked about it. We, I expected it was the kids that are going to be coming and grabbing all the candy, but instead it was Judy Wilkinson who came up and swiped the whole thing of Twizzlers. And, you know, often we find we just go and take what we feel like, but we leave, and what we feel like is not wrong, you know, we can have luxuries, we can treat ourselves, but sometimes we leave the other things which we need to sustain us. So we want to be careful that when we're in church life, that we are following God's process, and we are finding all the sustenance we need, and we're supplying sustenance to those who need it as well. So let's jump in and take a look here. We're going to look at the first eight verses of this, make some conclusions, and pray and wrap up, and we're going to continue this on in subsequent weeks. So read with me, if you will. We have Paul here. He'd, he talked about um, the will of God. He talked about worship. Hannah Stoltz did an amazing job prior to my introduction and preaching on this first verse here on presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. And that's kind of what we're fleshing out here. Worship is obviously not just what we did for 35 minutes earlier, but worship is a lifestyle. It is a giving of ourselves every single day in every way. We worship when we go to work and we represent God in the workplace. That is our sacrifice of worship. And so when we start from a place of choosing service to others, and I make a decision, I am going to give of myself first and not look to give to myself, that is the beginning of proving what the will of God is. If we want to get to that place where we can prove the will of God, according to Paul, we've got to first start with giving of ourselves, giving our bodies as a living sacrifice. Once we do that, we, we align ourselves with God's heart, so then that grace of God flows, and we stop being conformed to the pattern of this world. The pattern of the world is get what you need for yourself first, then 
figure out what you can do for other people. The pattern of the world is not the pattern of the kingdom, but the pattern of the kingdom says, first, what can I do for others? What can I do for the Lord? And as we do that, our minds become conformed to his image. They become transformed. And then we come to a place where we're able to prove what the will of God is. We're able to actually step into it and test it and confirm, like, yeah, this feels good. This is right. And that's what God has for each of us. So, moving on from verse 2, here's what Paul says to begin to start fleshing this out. And we're going to dive into this here for the next 15 minutes. Here's what he says. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So the focus of these verses is connection. That we can't be supplied by God and by each other, and we cannot then supply if we are not first connected. So what Paul is talking about here is a process of connection. So he says a few things to the church. Some of them are kind of hard to hear in some ways, right? You know, it's not easy to, to, to read the scripture. For the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. So who here wants to have sound judgment? I'd like to have sound judgment. Okay, I think we sometimes read this the wrong way. When we read this, here's how often we read it. We read it like, hey, you need to think of yourself less than you actually are. And I don't believe that's how it is meant at all. Who is the most humble man of the Bible at the time? Moses. And who was it that wrote uh, who the most humble man was? It was Moses. Wrote of himself. Why? Was that arrogant? No. Moses actually had sound judgment. Because his judgment was sound, it was in line with God, and what he was saying was true, he was able to, without arrogance, he was able to recognize that he was truly, truly humble. What is that true humility? That true humility is nothing more than rightly defining who we are, what the boundaries of our wisdom, strength, and grace are, and knowing what we need in God to fill us out beyond what we are. God's goal is that you and I would grow to maturity, that we would be more like Christ. So first we have to know what are the boundaries, what are our boundaries, what are the boundaries of my strength, my grace, and where do I need to find God outside what I have? And I would suggest to you that much of the way that we find God is actually ministered through God's ambassadors. And so when I encounter God, I encounter God through Mike Stevens, because Mike has elements of God and aspects of his character, things worked in him, which I don't have, 
And so sometimes the way I'm supplied by God is by God through God's people. So if I'm not well connected to God's people, I'm not going to be well connected to God. Because you all have something that everyone else here needs, and everyone else here has something that you all need. So we first have got to be well connected. So let me ask you this. Do you know what it is that you need right now in life? By the grace given to me, Paul says, it's grace is that enabling power which enables you to be something or do something beyond what you are. So if we don't have grace, we can't go beyond who we are. And so to think of sound judgment is just to, to know where we are right now and what we need. And then in humility, as we ask God for it, God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. As we come humbly before God and say, Lord, this is what I need, he will supply us what we need. Amen? Connection. All right, for just as we are, have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body. Okay, all the members do not have the same function, but all the members do have a function. So if you are here this morning, you are uniquely equipped to have a particular function. Um, Paul goes to explain in other passages that God has composed and set the members of the body exactly as, I quote, he desires. Every single person is given a function that is unique and special and valuable and needed within the whole. So we may not all have the same function, and it's much better that way. It would suck if we were all the same. <laughs> that would not be a church I'd want to join. <laughs> God uh, as Dan often says, uh, unity is a celebration of diversity. And so we all are given a particular function. And it's, and it's as a result of that, when we gather together, um, we who are, money, uh, are many become one, and we're individually members of one another. So the, the terms that Paul is speaking in here are pretty deep. He's actually saying that me and Don here we are members, we are part and joined of a body. The image is that we are different parts of the same body. And so it's, a, it's not something that can be separated. You can't just, the finger can't jump off and decide to join itself to the hip. Every part has a function. You know, I, I, I love reading about the human body. I love how God has created us. It's just so fascinating but every single part of the body has a vital function. Everybody, there's not one part of the body which is just made just to be redundant, but every part is essential to the smooth working of the body. Every one of us here is essential to the smooth working of his body. Amen? All right, connection. <clears throat> you and I need each other. It's important that we can assess ourselves so we know it is what we need. I was talking to Jason Boyle about this earlier, and I was um, telling him the story of my son David, who is uh, here right now, and I have not asked him if I can share this illustration. Am I going to jump in? Um, so, 
My son David, um, earlier in the year, uh, the engine blew up in his car. And he's fairly handy mechanically, he's 17 years old. Um, and he decided that he would go ahead and he would replace the engine himself. He's done a few things with the car, but not anything that um, great. And so he didn't just want to replace it with the same engine, he wanted to replace it with a larger engine, because he's 17. Um, <laughs> and, and so he hatched this plan. He was going to buy another car with a bigger engine that's slightly different. He was going to switch over parts. He was going to take out the old engine. He was going to put in the new bigger engine, um, hook everything up. He was going to reflash the ECU of the, of the car itself to modify it to run with the bigger engine. All this stuff. And I was like, I'm amazed. Uh, and so I said to him, David, knock yourself out. <laughs> um, I'll help you where I can, um, but you're going to have to carry this. And he did. Uh, he drove here today in this car, <laughs> completed with, with its bigger, more powerful, faster, louder engine. <laughs> Everyone working great. Now, one thing about David, he's, he, like his mother, is a great researcher. And he like put in a lot of um, work into this researching is an amazing memory. So, like, he didn't, you know, he barely labeled all of the wires and harnesses and lines. He just looked at it and remembered what needs to go where. However, in all his skill and ability with this, there are some areas where he may not have experience or know what to do. And so, he and I had a few tussles through this process <laughs> because there was a couple of things. <laughs> that I warned him of. I said, hey, David, if you do this, that will happen. And he was, in his words, we, we, had, a, we had a conversation after this about the difference between pretty sure and sure. <laughs> and it's a, it's a valuable lesson. I said, at 17, it's really helpful if you learn this now. Sometimes being pretty sure is not good enough. Yeah. Now, if you're, you know, you're, you're going to go out in the evening and go to a restaurant and you're pretty sure they're still open at 10 o'clock and they're not, that's not the end of the world. However, if you're going to do, like, if you want to marry someone and you're pretty sure they're the right one, not good enough. Um, so pretty sure and sure sometimes need to be delineated. So there are a couple of points where I said to him, David, I'm just saying, if you want this to work out well, you need to do this. And he didn't do it. And it created a little more work for him. But after that, the pretty sure episode, he learned and he recognized that despite all the skill and ability and aptitude he had, there was something still he needed from somebody else. And he had to exercise sound judgment and say, I think I'm pretty smart and I think I figured out a great plan, but I don't know everything I need to know. And maybe I do need to listen to old dad every now and then because he actually has had some life experience I haven't had and he has my best interest at heart and he can save me from some pain. And so to his credit, he did that. And we avoided some big obstacles and the job got done. Um, but that's how it is in the family of God, that we need one another and we need to know how we need one another and in what ways we need one another so then we can look to receive the supply that God gives through one another. So let's talk a little bit about that supply as we get ready to wrap up here. I'm going to read verse 6 through 8. and says this, Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. 
Who likes exercise here? Yeah? We got definitely less than half the people in the room there. <laughs> Gary McPherson, two hands up, loves exercise. All right. I believe you. Um, we need to exercise. We, everyone, has gifts. They differ according to the grace given to us. And we need to exercise them accordingly. It says, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. According to the grace given to us, we need to exercise. We all are given gift, different measure of grace and faith for the gifts that we have, but we've got to exercise in them according to the measure we have. But the key thing is that we actually go ahead and exercise them. Sometimes some of the things we have to do may not be the things that we feel we're good at. That's okay. That's why we need grace. We need to receive something from God that enables us to do what we need to do. Sometimes our contribution is going to be something we may not feel like doing. Is everyone okay with me saying this? <laughs> Who in your household just loves loading up the dishwasher with all the slimy, nasty plates? Do you love doing that? I think there's one person that was pointed <laughs> over here. You can definitely come to my house. Okay, so because we don't love doing it, do we just not load the dishwasher and just have dirty plates, just paper plates all the time? You better not raise your hand because I think some people, some people actually do that. My wife uh, grew up in a pretty dysfunctional household. She shared a little bit about it. Um, and her mother would sooner buy new clothes and do laundry. So, so, some, so that, that sometimes it does work that way. Um, but we, the things that we are required to do to supply one another, they're things that we find a fulfillment and a satisfaction, but sometimes things have just got to get done because they have to get done. And we need grace, we need an empowerment from God to do it and give what is needed to be given. But when we do that, then we can be a supply for somebody else. I want to give an illustration here and we'll wrap up here and I'm going to break down some of these other different gifts when we pick up next time. I was, uh, one time I was needing to uh, fix my car. And this is a few years back, just before David gained all his skills in fixing cars, I would have, otherwise I would have asked him. Um, but I, I needed to do a job on my car. I needed to change the valve cover gasket for those of you who are mechanically inclined. And I wasn't quite sure how to do it. And so I thought, well, let me ask somebody who I know knows more about cars than me. Sometimes you just got to ask someone who knows more about a particular thing than you do to get what you need from God. And so I called up Jason Boyle, who I know knows more about cars than me. And uh, he's a good car guy. So Jason, being the great guy he was, um, he said, yeah, I'll come over on this evening and I'll help you out. And so me and my son David and Jason, we set about replacing the valve cover um, gasket on my car. We were getting into it, and I thought that that's really all we were doing in that evening. But while we were there, Jason, who works for a company that replaces automotive glass, he noticed on my car that there was a piece of trim that was missing, and it just looked like bad. 
And it's something, to be honest, that had frustrated me for a long while. I tried to fix it back on. I didn't really know what I was doing. I, 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 I couldn't really do it. So I just got frustrated and I just gave up on it and I lived with it. And while we were there, um, there we are working on the valve-covered gasket, but Jason just hops over and he notices something which has been bothering me for a long time. He says, oh, your trim is missing and the one on the other side too. Do you have the piece? And I'm like, yeah, I, I do actually. I didn't know what to do with it. It would really be bugging me. He took a look at it and asked if I had another couple of associated pieces and I, and I did. I had the pieces, but I didn't know how to get it working right. And within like 10 minutes, he had just fixed something on my car which had been bothering me for a while, which I just had no idea how to do. But for him, because this was a grace area which he's just particularly gifted in, it was easy, it was fast, it was natural, and it was a joy for him to come in and fix a problem that I could not fix for myself. And then he did this thing, and like 10 minutes later, I'm like, I can't believe that. I've been really annoyed by this for the last three years, and you come in and 10 minutes, and the problem is solved. First the natural, then the spiritual. Within the body of Christ, we have been given a grace gifting to be able to come in and put something right in one another's lives according to the grace we've been given that we can do it smoothly, with ease, and with joy and help put something right that someone may have lived with with frustration for years and years. I want to ask you to stand now, if you will. And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we respond to this. <coughs> Search our hearts. Father, I thank you that you have called us to dwell together in community. That you've called us to be well supplied and to supply others. Lord, we recognize that we, we receive from you through other people sometimes. As you said in the psalmist said, cast your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. Sometimes, Lord, we're sustained by you through your people. And Lord, we want to be those people. We want to be a people this morning that bring sustenance to one another. We want to be a people that have a flow of life through us. We want to be a people that are yielded to you, that submit ourselves to you so that we can strengthen our brothers and sisters. So Holy Spirit, I ask, would ask that you would come and show us our hearts. Lord, if there are areas that we know aren't quite right, areas that we need to, quote, fix, and we've been frustrated for a long time, we don't know, we haven't been successful in doing it, but there's someone that we're joined with who knows how to put right that which is out of whack. Father, would you show us those areas? And Lord, give us the boldness to go and seek out help, to go and ask for help in that area, to say, hey, I need you here because I believe that you have what I need. And Lord, if we're the person that has the grace to know how to put things right, Lord, will you direct us 
in your, in the steps that we must travel in, that we can come around our brothers and sisters and we can help provide strength and supply and pour into them, that, that your spirit would make them full to overflowing, that you would heal up, that you would restore, that you would instruct and teach by your spirit through us that we can be joined closer together and we can be more deeply planted in this soil together. I ask, Father, that you would do that right now. In Jesus' name, amen.